All right. All right. So, yeah, I like just like that. Just get into it? Yeah. Just like start rolling. Oh, hello. Oh, hello there. <laughs> oh, hi. Welcome to my living room. This is the Badass Broadcast. The podcast about badass broads. I totally forgot what the tagline was. You have to like <laughs> read like, it. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're recording one day later than usual and <laughs> this is throwing me all my off. entire brain. I'm Carrie, well, by the way. I'm Shalom. And we're sisters. <laughs> I was just going to say, and we're sisters. I don't think we've ever oh said that before. Jinx, wow. Yeah, this is usually my editing night, so it's kind of weird that uh, yeah. that we're recording on my editing night. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so. <laughs> I feel like what's so new? off today. This is going to be a really boring episode. <laughs> no, okay, something happened to me this week, and I don't know if I told you yet. Wait, was it last week? I've been obsessing over it since, but... Um, I had like a skip in my brain. I don't know. Has this ever happened to you? I was driving downtown, one side of downtown, and then I like blink and I'm on the other side of downtown. Like I swear this was matrix shit. It was like, (laughs) but I was driving like east on Notre Dame, but I was like way into downtown. And then when I like blinked, I was driving east, but further west on Broadway. And so I'm like... How would that happen? Like, so the most logical explanation is like I just wasn't paying attention and I just went you through default. somewhere else. But why would I be like do a whole loop de loop to get back to that one spot? Like I don't understand. It was like a five minute drive away, but I just totally my brain just like just shut off. I don't know. That's weird. It's I've so never had creepy. That. I swear it was like, yeah, I don't know. It's oh, never happened know. to me like that. Maybe it was like a seizure, but I didn't, wasn't aware <laughs> that it was happening. Well, and then you just kept driving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have never experienced that before. Suddenly this turned into a whole different podcast. We're just going to talk about like eerie shit. <laughs> well, it would be very short because I haven't had a whole lot of eerie things happen to me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, realistically, it was probably just that I wasn't paying attention, but I have no idea what would take me to drive that weird convoluted route. To, I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> okay. I don't know. How was We're your just... week? We, um, we got to see our sister for the first time in two months. Yeah. I was just going to say there was oh some, a little bit of easing on the strict regulations. Yeah. So we were able to go into a store. I went into stores on Saturday and purchased like non-essential second, items. Like the second it lifted? Yes. Was it super crowded on Saturday? Um, not in the place places where I went to because two of the places... Um, had had been open like all along, just like with the non-essential stuff blocked off. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't as big a deal, but the one store that I did go to as well, I got there at the time that the website said it was opening, and uh, then the manager comes up and she's like, "Oh yeah, no, we don't open until eleven today." Oh. And they were supposed to change the website. 
So I was like, oh, okay, I guess a good thing I started there because now I have other places I can go first. And uh, so I did, but it didn't take me that long because it was, I don't have a huge long shopping list. It was just yeah. a couple of things. Um, but then I went back for 11 and, or, I mean, I got there a few minutes before and I ended up like waiting outside yeah. behind like one person, but there was a big long line for me. But I, the thing that I, I needed was right by the cash register. I was like beeline in there. Get are out. the malls open right now? Um. Well, yeah, everything's open, but at 25% capacity. Oh, okay. I didn't but even realize because well, I, I never over, go into the mall, so it doesn't really affect yeah, me. Yeah. Like, I looked over, I was at the JISC store, or YISC, however you say it. They say YISC on the phone, so. Okay, YISC. <laughs> um, and then I looked over, and there's a Marshall's Home Sense, like, right next door. That parking lot was packed. Oh, my goodness. I can't. That's why I didn't go yet. I went... Today, I stopped in one place and just grabbed, like, a few things that I deem essential. Like, you know, a can opener. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't even access a handful of my food in the cupboard. But um, then I just, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm going to ease into this whole shopping thing. Because if I just, like, go in, everyone's going to be in there. It's going to, it's a novelty it kind right now. Of, so I just want to wait it out. It was kind of like boxing day. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, it, um, it was, um, I think it kind of depends on where you go Yeah. because I didn't go into the mall where the Canadian tire was, but my coworker did. And she said it wasn't that bad. Okay. But if you were to go to like one of the more mainline, like the yeah, bigger, the bigger malls with the more shop, popular malls, you pr- probably would have had more of a problem. So it kind of depends on where you go. Yeah. Um, the most exciting part though, was seeing our nephews. And yes. Cause we calculated it had been two months almost yeah. exactly since we'd seen them. Yeah. And I had, uh, I, d- I had this little like science art experiment, experience, experiment, experiment, experiment. I, I get those words mixed up. It's like concert and contest. I, I still get them mixed <laughs> up. Anyway, I had a little experiment that I wanted to do with the, one of them cause he's super crafty and in, into all that shit so we did that and yeah it was really fun yeah it was nice to see everyone legally legally (laughs) (laughs) we had all this like we had this plan that christmas day we were gonna do like uh we're gonna like sneak in illegally in the dark like pull up to the back door and just like crawl out of the trunk of the car like (laughs) but we didn't do that because we wanted to I, I do have to say, though, that I kind of regret that we didn't do that. Okay. Um, just because it was fun. Christmas and most people didn't experience any kind of uh, issue or backlash or anything like that. And I think that we totally could have gotten away with it. And I think that we should have done it. But I, we just succumbed yeah, yeah, to the I know. Um, paranoia. I think I had fun regardless. So yeah, I wasn't too bummed about Christmas, about missing Christmas. But that's okay. And we got kind of anyway. like a sort of a Christmassy dinner special dinner. <laughs> yeah. There is a that nose poking out of the table with a ball in it, the mouth. Anyway. Hi. This is a really boring intro, Kara. It is. We've had a very We've boring week. nothing to talk about and... So boring. You better have a good story to tell them. Oh, I. shit. <laughs> Pressure's on. All right. Should we get started? Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Go for it. Okay, so I am sure you don't know what I'm talking about. Today. I have no idea. This is I'm, a very big surprise for me. Yeah. So I'm sure you've heard of them before. They are known as the Night Witches. Have you? Hmm. You haven't heard of them? Doesn't oh my sound goodness. familiar. I totally thought I was like, she's going to correct me on a whole bunch of stuff or whatever. Because you're like, you're really into World War II shit and history and stories and everything. So I just expect that you know everything about it. Oh, no, there's so much that I don't know. Okay, so the Night Witches. No, they didn't dance around fires naked and cast spells. I mean, okay, we don't know that, but maybe they did that too. But <laughs> but that's not why they're called Night Witches. Okay. So um, around the time, we're going to kind of rewind pre-World War II for a bit. Um, So around the time of Charles Lindbergh and Amelia Earhart, there was a global race for greatness in the area of aviation. Well, the Soviets, of course, were not to be outdone. (laughs) I thought you were going to sneeze. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Just a yawn. (laughs) Um, After a record-breaking flight from Moscow to California via the North Pole... Um, or like near the North Pole mm-hmm. uh, by a Russian man. I forget his name. I don't know. Joseph Stalin Stalin decided to set a new distance record in 1938 for an entirely female crewed flight. Ooh. Wow. Because females can't do what males can. Forward thinking. It's funny because like <laughs> it's, it's true that like we take joy in like hearing these things of like, oh, the first woman to do this or do that. But it's like, the reality is it doesn't make a difference. Like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of, like he's just doing that to like get publicity. publicity. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Of course. He likes to break records. It's all about the, uh, Russia is very, the optics. Yeah. So, each of these women had already, so it was three women in the flight, in the crew, and each of these women had already held one or more records for female aviation already. So Marina Raskova, who comes in later, she's a central part of our story, Paulina Osipenko, Valentina Grizodubova. I am sorry. <laughs> I'm always constantly forever apologizing about my pronunciation of these beautiful names. You need to stop picking foreign people. (laughs) Okay. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm Um, totally joking. Those are the most fascinating stories. They are, and they're so so beautiful. Anyway, um, and all of the women that I saw in these pictures and all the pictures that I looked at, today um they all were so beautiful like just so gorgeous that being said they were all like late teens early 20s but regardless they just had like the most beautiful faces anyway their attempted record-breaking flight was meant to take them 3600 plus miles um in a plane that was meant to have a range of 3100 miles so Hmm. daring risky yeah However, shortly after takeoff, they encountered some rough weather, and as they rose above the clouds, they lost sight of the ground as well as radio contact. 
So, one of the women, Marina, parachuted out of the plane in order early that like in order to give everyone a better chance and lose weight off the plane. Um so she left everything behind, like the emergency kit, all the food, all of the uh, supplies, everything for the for the others to use. And she only took with her two chocolate bars to ration until she got rescued. Okay, wait, back up. Like, what happened to the plane that they had to? They so they were they were already attempting to go much further than this plane could handle. Right, and that's when it like the engine cut the out. engine just yeah. failed. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. Um, and at what point in their journey was this? This was at the end. So this was like a long ways out. Um, this was like their flight, um, the total miles was 3,671 miles in 26 hours. So they flew for 26 hours already before the engine cut out. So they just weren't able to land it anywhere. No, but they did end up doing a safe landing. Okay, so Marina... She only took with her two chocolate bars to ration until she got rescued. Okay. The plane ended up landing near a lake, and after a 10-day hike, she finally met up with her friends again, and they were reunited. They found each other? Yes. And she watched where, like, the direction that the plane was, like, falling. Okay. And she just walked in that direction straight. Wow. Still. Yeah. For 10 days. Still needle in a haystack. Right. And this is like in Siberia. So their attempt was to go from Moscow to the southernmost point of Siberia. Okay. And that was, yeah. So that was like the 26 hour flight or whatever. So um, this is Siberia. So they, they find each other. And everyone's alive, everyone's safe. However, shortly after they fell, they were spotted by two search planes who then collided above head. Above head? Yeah. Overhead? Overhead? Yeah, that's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Killing all 15 people on board. So, even though the three ladies survived, 15 people died in the process. Um, that's so <laughs> devastating. All, all their eyes are just like on the ground and they didn't realize that. I guess so. I don't know. There's another plane coming at them. I don't know. How often does it happen that two planes <laughs> collide in the air? I know. It's insane. Because isn't that be, like, one really... of the things like, like uh, flying in an airplane is so much safer, like crash wise, because you're, the chances of you yeah. crashing into another plane are so small i don't know their communication must have been oh. out or something i don't know like maybe over it was really siberia cloudy. i don't know what are the chances <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry it's not funny but it's just it is <laughs> the optics when you cartoonize things i find they you're allowed to make to laugh at them it's you know just- like the with the perspective of history, it's really, really funny actually. Yeah. That these three women survived. They managed to find each other in the Siberian wilderness. And yet the yeah. two airplanes that come to find them crash into each other. Yeah. Did they actually see them? Like did did the girls, the girls saw them. Saw them. Yeah. Saw it happen. This is um, a movie. So when I was in high school in history class, I would always get in trouble because every time the teacher I almost said his name. Anytime that he would say, 
like something, like tell a story that was devastating from history, I would laugh. But the reason was, and everyone would be like, why are you laughing? Stop laughing. You're a sociopath. What's wrong with you? And I'd be like, no, you don't get it. Like, it's a coping mechanism. The reason I laugh is because whenever he tells this horrible story, my brain turns it into a cartoon and I just see someone like tumbleweeding down a hill or something, whatever, falling off a cliff, like, you know, like Bugs Bunny style. Well, uh, don't they say that comedy is tragedy plus time? No, that's a good one. <laughs> I heard that somewhere a long time ago and that kind of stuck with me. That's true. It is like, it's like yeah. watching someone fall down the stairs, but you know yeah. they're okay. Like you just laugh, yeah. you know? Exactly. Anyway, as long as they're not hurt or it's like, yeah. Yeah. So they were eventually rescued by boat because um, they, they landed on like on the shore of a lake. So they were rescued by boat. Okay. Yeah. I missed that part. How long were they in the wilderness for? It was the 10 days plus a couple days and then plus another few days. So it was maybe like two weeks or so. Okay. That's yeah. doable. Yeah. So they were given the Hero of the Soviet Union Award, which is like a big thing. So this flight was given the name Flight of Rodina, or the Motherland. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, it was 3,671 miles in 26 hours. And that's our introduction to Marina Raskova. And we're going to meet oh. a few ladies today. So fast forward three years. Care, you know this. What happened in June of 1941? Um, June of 1941? Yeah. Germany invades Russia. Oh, okay. Yes. So they came down pretty fucking hard. They destroyed 66 airfields and approximately 80% of the military craft of the Soviet Union. So That's a lot. Yeah. So they knew that if they like hit their airfields and everything, then they will cut off, you know, like major communication streams. Yeah. So you can't like, you know, what yeah. good is... A military without their aircrafts. Yeah. So, although there was a major loss of military equipment, there were still plenty of pilots itching to fight for their country. And there were still plenty of airplanes, just not the military-grade fighter planes. But the open cockpit two-seater biplanes made of wood and fabric. These were primarily used for training and crop dusting. But... Desperate times call for desperate measures. Yep. And so Marina saw this as an opportunity. Now, having made a name for herself before, she used her connections to Stalin and suggested that they employ female pilots in the war and that they utilize these outdated, antiquated machines. So just because, like, then they wouldn't be expected. Like, it would just be, mm -hmm. like... Like, you know, hiding in plain sight kind of thing. Yeah. So he adamantly refused, but she berated him and berated him until he finally gave in. <laughs> and, and she noted to him, one of her points was that foregoing half the population when war was at their doorstep would be foolish. Hello. Hello. So even though it was unaccept unacceptable at the time, uh, he finally gave in. So these planes were incredibly slow, dangerous, and extremely fragile. 
and obviously ill-equipped. So the chief of staff, Irina Orekobolskaya, said, if you jab your finger down on the wing, you'd poke a hole right through it. What? I saw an interview of her when she was like, I don't know, like 80, 70, 80 years old. And she was like talking about her memories and stuff like that. And she was saying that. It was so funny. So cute. Wow. That's fragile. Yeah. So it's just like fabric covering plywood, essentially. Yeah. And um, so due to the weight restrictions on these monstrosities, I don't know why I wrote that. Why did I write that? Do I think I'm cool? Um, yeah, that's not you. That doesn't sound like you. Monstrosities? Who says that? Um, they were lacking radios and parachutes and even proper weaponry. So it was decided that they would use hand pistols in air ca- combat. So there, there were two-seater biplanes, so you had two women in it. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, one would do the flying and one would do the pew-pew shooting. <laughs> like, what do you do? How far can, yeah. can that gun go? Might as well be a BB gun. <laughs> really? So the fear was that they would be easily shot down or catch fire. But it turns out that those planes were kind of more hardy than the fighter pilots or the fighter planes because these women had... Um, uh, less of a kill rate than the average fighter pilots. So I don't know if there's like, if that's just correlated or causation. I don't know, but you know. Hmm. So anyway, um, the planes were, however, equipped with up to six bombs each. And each bomb weighed like, I think it was like 110 pounds or something. So it was pretty heavy, but yeah. Yeah. So when Stalin gave Marina's gave in to Marina's request, he put her in charge of creating three all-female squadrons, the 586th, the 587th, and the 588th regiments. So only one of which remained all-female to the end, and this was the notorious 588th Regiment, and that is the one that is known by the term the Night Witches. Okay. At first, of course, this was a difficult call to swallow by their male counterparts. And the women were treated poorly and mocked. And they were given old, ill-fitting hand-me-downs of uniforms. And they'd wear, like, the men's shoes that were way too big on them. I don't know why they couldn't just wear normal shoes, but, like, military shoes. They have to be military (laughs) issues. Yeah. Um, So Marina became the head of the 587th. She later died mid-war of a flying accident. Not sure if it was, like, directly in combat or an accident on its own or what, but she died in, like, 42 or 43. So, devastating. You are yawning a lot. And I'm I like, know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so insecure about this. I'm, I'm sorry. It's interesting. I've never heard of these. I'm witches. glad you haven't heard of it before. It's actually really, I I really w- was drawn into this story. So we're gonna focus on the 588th, <laughs> aka the Night Witches. So they were active for about four years and flew approximately thirty thousand missions altogether. Thirty thousand. Not, not bad for an unpromising, precarious situation. Yeah. Wow. Uh, often these ladies would fly 25 plus missions a week. 
putting their male counterparts to shame. Of um, course, don't we always? Right? Seriously. I wonder what it would have been like if women ran the world and men would be like, why don't we ever get anything? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Food for thought. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> So of the 261 women who flew in the 588th regiment, only 32 died. What? Yeah. Most due to combat, but some of which due to plane crashes or tuberculosis. There was like four or five tuberculosis cases, and that was it. Yeah, 261 in four years. So one badass broad of note was... Nadezhda Popova, or Nadia, it's just Nadia, um, who in one night flew 18 missions separately, helping to like chase the German troops across the Polish border. So let's meet Nadezhda. <laughs> How is this spelled? It's N A D E Z H D A. Yeah. It is Nadja. Nadja. It's, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> In one article, she calls herself Nadia. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so she started flying at the age of 15. Started as a, a flight instructor at the age of 18. And she was 19 when she was recruited to join the 588th. She was motivated to join the fight after seeing her brother die at the beginning of the war. And she went on to fly 852 missions. The average mission count for the Night Witches was 250 each. And how many did she do? 852. Wow. But some women did like um, like 12, you know. So, I mean, if they were like more so in leadership positions, they were more on the ground. But they still did have a few under their belt. So, yeah, 852. And that's not even the most. Wow. So she said, almost every time we had to sail through a wall of enemy fire. In winter, you'd look out to see your target better and get frostbite. (laughs) Our feet froze in our boots, but we carried on flying. It was a miracle we didn't lose more aircraft. Our planes were the slowest in the Air Force. They often came back riddled with bullets. Oh, and that's another thing. They were so slow that there was, like, one article I read that, like, kind of labeled all the speeds, and I'm not, like, super familiar with speed or whatever, or horsepower or anything, but they didn't go more than, I think it was, like, 100 or 120 kilometers an hour or something like that, or 150 kilometers an hour top speed, and then there was, like, their... uh, Lift speed was only, I forget what the speed was, but to put it in uh, in reference, they said it was about as fast as Usain Bolt can run. So it's like <laughs> literally like, it's so slow. I mean, he can run really fast. I'm just saying. Like, right. But for, for an plane. airplane. <laughs> yeah. That's so slow. Like, what? So they're so slow. They often came back riddled with bullets. So one time landing after a mission, she counted 42 bullet holes in her plane, one in her helmet, 
and a couple in her maps. She laughed it off and just joked that she was immortal. (laughs) Now, being that they're made of fabric, does that mean they're easier to fix? Probably. I feel like you could just like... I don't know. Just like patch it up like a pair of jeans? Probably. No, but it was also like the wood was... Also, I, I just pictured them putting like some that like stuff on it. Oh, What's like that called? <laughs> I don't know, like toothpaste in the hole or something like oh, that. like some kind of putty or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, wow. she she received like a whole bunch of awards after the war, and uh, she okay. This is the sweetest meet cute ever. Okay, so she met her future husband after being sh- oh my goodness okay I, that's not enough of a build-up I think you need to appreciate <laughs> okay I'm listening I'm, adorable listening. This I'm not is. even looking at my phone I'm listening okay she met her future husband after being shot down in 1942 they happened to be in the same area and were shot down separately yet they somehow stumbled upon each other and they trekked back to safety together and they got married immediately after the war she actually couldn't even see his face during their trek because it was covered in bandages. So, but they talked and joked together along the way. <laughs> if this is not already a movie, this somebody a needs to try. make it into one. It would be a comedy. <laughs> oh my a, goodness. A co- like right be from West the beginning. Anderson movie. Right from the beginning with the t- with the three women in the in the airplane. Yeah. Seriously. Yes. Comedy. <laughs> Com- I love comedy war movie. Uh, so I with subtitles. I guess all in Russian. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm thinking this is the secret to love or something. You need to like be with someone you can laugh with through the hardest times, right? Yeah. Because she just like I guess that's what makes you resilient is just like learning to like laugh along the way in the middle of a war after you get shot yeah like i wonder how many times they got shot down and survived i don't know oh my goodness so after the war though she got married and went right back to work as a flight instructor and she died in 2013 at the ripe old age of 91 wow yeah so you wouldn't you wouldn't think, like, in the 2000s, there were, like, these badass broads walking around. A bunch of them died in, like, the 2000s. It's so crazy. Because by then, they're just little old ladies, and you yeah. don't think to ask, like, what their story is. Yeah. And I bet you if you did. Like, I don't know any little old ladies. Well, I, okay, so I used but to do... I would say, if you do, ask them some questions. Yeah. To ask, ask them to tell you about like when they were young women and like what kind of things they did and yeah. adventures and, and mischief they got into. Because I bet you there are some badass broads just wandering yeah, around totally. and they're just in disguise as these cute little old ladies. <laughs> exactly. We, uh, yeah, we like our grandparents all died when we were pretty young, right? Like, yeah. So I kind of missed that, those opportunities and. I mean, I always ask mom stories, but she's like, oh, I can't think of any. And then every once in a while, she'll say something. And I'll be like, mom, like, I literally ask you the, for these kinds of stories. <laughs> <laughs> you just think it's nothing. But anyway, she's a bit of a badass sometimes, too. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, 
there are moments. So I did have a conversation though, like a couple years ago, I did some work for our sister and I ended up meeting this, like it was like calling clients or whatever. Um, So I, I met this old lady on the phone and she was so cute and she just talked my ear off for like an hour and she told me all about how, like just unprompted, all about how she survived the Holocaust and that she was um, Jewish living in Poland and then like, so she like had a ring. They always have a ring, right? In the movies, there's always a ring involved where it's like, oh, she swallowed the ring or whatever. Anyway, she did keep her mother's ring, but it was like her and her siblings were, had to escape and had to like hide in ditches in Poland until they got out and they didn't really know where they were going. And they would like run into people every once in a while and, uh, and like other people that were crawling along in the ditch. Mm. And then they, um, also would like eat from farmer's fields and they would like get like one potato sometimes for a day for like all three of them to share. Hmm. So it is, it is really interesting. It's totally worth it to like ask older people their stories because yeah, yeah, for sure. They're so cool. Anyway, so the, the women, okay, next broad, just going to get into a few of them. The woman who flew the most sorties, do you know what that is? Never heard that term before. Well, yes. I mean, it's a French word. Oh, okay. It's just like for exit. Or, well, it was in, in this like, context, it, like, it an, like expedition. an expedition. So it's more than just a mission. It's like a, a an aggressive mission. Like it's like a going on the attack. Whereas, okay. like some of the missions were bringing supplies to stranded pilots and stuff like that. But um, so anyway, the woman who flew the most sorties specifically was Irina Sabrova. She was twenty seven at the start of the war. So this would be really old compared to Mm -hmm. the majority of the night witches, as most of them were in their late teens and early 20s. Um, But she was awarded the hero of the Soviet Union. She flew 1,008 sorties, the most of all the women. And so she... I already said that. Why did I just say that? Anyway, (laughs) she was born into poverty at the age of 12... Not at the age of 12, but she was born into poverty... And at the age of 12. Okay. Um, okay. With five years of schooling under her belt, she dropped out and went to trade school to become a locksmith. So she did this and worked at a factory while putting herself through nursing school. So okay. she's already got a trade, and then she gets a, a second job so that she can go to nursing school. That's dedication. And That's then, hard work. I don't think I could do that. And then she somehow gets into, like, she joins an aero club. And by the time she's 23 years old, she's a flight, she's a respected flight instructor. Okay. So by the time the war hit the borders of the Soviet Union, she was already taking part in military aviation training. So she was like, she's got a few careers behind her. I don't know what happened to the nursing thing. But so she's like one of those people that just... Um just keeps going, keeps doing new things all the time. Like some yeah. people do that, right? But I mean, really, she was kind of forced out of school due to poverty when she was 12 years old. So, I mean, she didn't really have a choice but to like, you know, you don't know she's who you hustler. are at that point. <laughs> but yeah, she is a hustler. And like in the sense that she's constantly working and... Um, yeah. Yeah, just constantly working to get ahead. 
Yeah. Not not like a negative hustler, like yes. scammer or whatever. <laughs> so um, then we go on to Irina Rakobolskaya, who I've mentioned before. She was the uh, chief of staff, but she... Um, um, she only flew, like, I think it was, like, under 20 f- missions total because she was, like, mostly behind the scenes. Management. <laughs> and she was, she was, she was highly respected, though. Not like, a, you know. Okay. Um, okay. So she was a mathematician and a physicist and studied cosmic rays at the physics department of Moscow State University. Um, so she re- received numerous high state awards in her career and was awarded the title Honored Scientist of the Russian SFSR in 1990. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, but it sounds very prestigious. Yes, of course. <laughs> so since 1971, uh, she, since, she was the deputy head of the Department of Cosmic Rays and Space Physics at MSU, and taught courses on cosmic rays and nuclear physics. So throughout her career, she educated over 80,000 students. And she won several awards, both in military as well as in her civilian life. So she also co-authored a book with another one of the Night Witches, Natalia Mecklin, called We Were Called Night Witches. Now... I could go on and just continue, but so many of the stories are exactly the same where they're just like badass broads. They grew up in poor or middle class families, had minimal education and worked their way through college or trade school or some kind of schooling to like some were already pilots when the time came and some only learned in order to become part of the 588. So, but all the stories I would just become redundant, but they're all just like amazing women, like you said, hustlers, just trying to like um, raise their families out of poverty and then war hits and they're called to this like um, higher calling. So, (laughs) no pun intended. Anyway, (laughs) so. How did they have such a high survival expectancy when, at the time, their planes were so outdated already? That's a very good question, I've been wondering. Okay. So, due to their slow speed and high visibility, flying in the daytime was pretty much out of the question. So, they took to flying at night in order to be as stealth as possible. That makes sense. So, they remained close to the ground with the moon and stars lighting their way. (laughs) Literally, just like... Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> I can't even, like, so much of this is laughable. It's, it's so Come great. on, Hollywood. They were just smart. Like, they were just smart. They didn't need a lot of stuff or any of the high-tech yeah. shit. They just were like, we have uh, to like, be smart. Th- okay, this is this. what we have at our disposal. Yeah. Now, how can we best utilize it? Exactly. So sometimes they would fly in groups with a couple of planes going first and up high, purposely drawing attention away from the Nazis on the, on the ground. So while others would swoop in closer to the ground and start bombing. So I picture it as like, if you're like, you hear, you're on the ground, you hear like 
the sound of an airplane and then you see them up high, you're like, okay, they're too far to shoot, but also like that must be where the noise is coming from. Yeah. And then the planes just swoop in and start bombing Yeah, you wouldn't you. expect that coming exactly. after. So uh, some, some women would employ a strategy where they would actually just fly really high, cut their engines and soar down close enough to drop the bombs because you couldn't, the, one pilot had said that you can't fly or you can't drop a bomb any like any lower than 500 meters so half a kilometer right up because if you were lower then it would like hit your plane like you'd get debris you get shrapnel or whatever yeah and she said you can't drop the bombs any higher than that because it wouldn't actually hit your target okay so you had to be quite low so and did they have like inst- enough instrumentation to tell them like their altitude? They had zero. The, from what I can tell, they had zero instrumentation. They might have had. I'm sure they had like because the they most sound like basic. But they sound like they're like um, like early planes from like maybe leftover yeah, they relics. From, they were from, from World War One. World War One. Yeah. Okay. So legit, like the Nazis. So you're had just eyeballing so much, it. Yeah. Basically. Wow. Um, and the Nazis just had like, so throw much out, at their disposal. Just have a tape measure. Just drop it down. <laughs> <laughs> so they would um, soar. Well, I'm sure they had altitude or whatever. But um, So they would soar, soar down close enough to drop the bombs, and then they'd just start their engine back up and fly away. But that was like, that was a death wish, apparently, because that, at least with the modern-day planes, you couldn't do that. And apparently, like, most pilots knew that as a death move because you can't realistically you can't do that but these women were able to do that and it was probably just because it was a biplane maybe the fact that the wings were made out of fabric had something to do with it but um popova had stated we flew in sequence one after another and during the night we would we never let them rest the Germans made up stories. They spread rumors that we had been injected with some unknown chemicals that enabled us to see so clearly at night. This Just, was nonsense, of course. What we did, what we did have, were clever, educated, very talented girls. Just because the Germans were drugging their soldiers, right? <laughs> they were all on meth. So I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So even. So one former member said that occasionally the bombs would get stuck while releasing and they'd get just get one of the girls to climb out onto the wing and kick it loose. <laughs> so even under heavy fire at times. <laughs> so one one member had said something like oh I I don't have the direct quote but it was something like um I'm aware of the paradox. It is wartime. There's so much blood and fear, but it was the happiest time of my life. <laughs> it was the cutest. Because I guess it's like a really bonding experience doing this with a whole bunch of ladies. Well, yeah. I mean, same with like um, the men who look back on that time. Yeah. For a lot of them, it's like the best time of their lives. Like yeah. just with their brothers, you know, it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So a couple of fun little stories to end it off. Um, there was a senior engineer, Sofia Ozerkova, was sentenced to death by a military tribunal in 1942. 
but she was later acquitted after her sentence was suspended and she was reinstated to her position. So I took a bit of a rabbit hole down the internet and couldn't find anything on what she did to sentence her to death, but then she was innocent enough to be reinstated to her position. So I'm very confused. And then I, I landed on this one uh, post on Reddit where this other person had said, like, had mentioned her and she was like, I can't find anything on, on the internet and all the articles I find are in Russian and like a bunch of the articles that she listed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read those too. So I'm like, okay, confirmation. There's nothing on the internet about what she did to be sentenced to death. But anyway, I wonder if that's I like that was classified Soviet oh, probably. documents that they're not going to tell anybody. Yeah. And then, oh yeah. And then there were a bunch of women who, um, had worked for the KGB afterwards, which I'm sure that looks good on your resume if you're like, I was a fucking night witch, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> hire me <laughs> as a spy. <laughs> exactly. And then um, there were a couple of mechanics, Reza Karatinova and Tamara Frolova were sentenced to 10 years of imprisonment for dismantling a flare and using the small silk parachute to sew undergarments. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> but both of them were retrained as navigators. So they just, like, went back into the army. But, hmm. yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, like I said, there's so many similar stories of women who, yeah. I swear, if I didn't know that they weren't on meth, I would think that they were on meth. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I think we're on the roll of like true badass women. Like last week. Oh my with God. The Civil War yeah. spy soldier. Kara, last week's episode, I don't know if I complimented you enough because it actually, like, I had dreams about her. Like really? the following, <laughs> following nights. Yeah. It was so dope. I like almost <laughs> wanted to be her. But not that I want to because actually it sounds really miserable being like. Yeah. Oh no! Under fire in the in the civil war and stuff like that, but um, yeah, yeah. So I I did have a couple other things I wanted to mention, but I forgot. But yeah, they're just uh, some badass. Wow! Yeah, that's that is. uh, I think that's the definition of badass right there. Yeah, Um, and yeah, and so like they would oh yeah one one pilot I watched an interview with her and she said that she would just come back. And she would be shaking, but they would literally go out, drop bombs, turn right back around to wherever their unit was to like reload on bombs, go right back out, and they would go back and forth all night. Wow. And that was basically what they did. And so the girls would literally be like shaking with like adrenaline slash yeah, anxiety. Adrenaline. I don't know. Like, you got to be, but, like, if you're not on meth, you got to be on adrenaline <laughs> right. to do that all night long. But apparently they weren't on any drugs, so. Except the natural ones. Yeah. Wow. Do they get the stamp? I'm so glad I think you so. didn't know about them. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not super well versed on the uh, Soviet side of the Yeah, I guess war it's effort. different. And I mean, it's not like, like not that I know everything. It's not about like them. we're on the side of Stalin or anything, no. or we're cheering him on. But the the story itself is pretty cool. 
So if you enjoyed the story this week or any other week, please hit subscribe, rate and review. That helps us out a lot. And find us on Instagram. As always, we post weekly photos about the episode at The Badass Broadcast. And as always, see you next Thursday. See you next Thursday.